please pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, allow your Holy Spirit to move upon each of us that we are conformed more into the image of your Christ. Help us to yield to you that we may be filled to overflowing with expectancy and joy. And it's Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Most of us have heard the old adage, familiarity breeds contempt. A saying that goes back two centuries before Jesus' coming from Publius the Syrian. And we see in today's gospel text how this happened to Jesus when he returned to his hometown in Nazareth. Beloved, familiarity breeds contempt. Yet hear me on this, and I will repeat it. Familiarity breeds contempt only with contemptible things or among contemptible people. Familiarity breeds contempt only with contemptible things or among contemptible people. The contempt shown by these Nazarenes said nothing about Jesus Christ, yet it said a great deal about them. I am convinced that most people are not opposed to having someone from their hometown become successful or even famous, especially if they remember you. Yet we are so familiar with those we grow up with that we often fail to see the potential and the greatness in them. We fail to remember what Jesus can do to a human being. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Yet how often we heard someone have a slur towards someone successful that they knew in their youth instead of rejoicing with them. They seem to be surprised and even suspicious of their success. If we're not careful, we too could miss much of what's important in life if we limit our vision. There was a vegetable juice commercial where someone was drinking a soda or a, a type of juice, and then they realized they'd missed out on something better. And the commercial ended with, wow, I could have had a V8. That was a catchy phrase. Wow, could have had a V8. It's a catchy phrase, but when it's applied to life, missing out on what Jesus has for you can have eternal consequences. 
an eternal joy. We need to have an open heart to what God's doing, to who God places in your life, who you can show unexpected joy with, unexpected grace. Believe me, you don't want to miss out on what the Lord has in store for you. Don't settle for less when you could have had Jesus. And in our text, Jesus returns to Nazareth. Jesus returns and is rejected by the people. He's evicted from the synagogue and driven from his hometown. The people's hearts have become hardened. They could have had Jesus, but they chose, as the scripture said, unbelief. And the previous chapter in Mark records how Jesus had performed great miracles throughout the region. He healed a man possessed by a legion of demons. He had raised Jairus' 12-year-old daughter from the dead. And now in our gospel text, we see Jesus returning home to Nazareth. They had heard all the stories. Our Lord had moved away from the crowds in order to find rest in his hometown. Our Lord's reputation had once again preceded him. So they asked him or permitted him to teach in the synagogue. And we read from God's word. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Now, in Mark's telling, we don't know what he actually said that blamed the controversy. Instead, judging from the response, he leaves us with the impression that what Jesus taught must have touched their very soul. For we read how the Nazarenes responded. Hear God's word. Where did, the, did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary? And the brother of James, Moses, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. The contrast between the peasant carpenter of Galilee who earned his daily bread by sweat of his brow, with the person who brought healing to the region and discourses to the multitude was too much for the townspeople. Do you remember the words of Nathaniel, one of the 12, when he heard Jesus was from Nazareth? 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth had a terrible reputation. It was less than stellar. And it states they took offense. They were astonished. The Greek word is expliso, expliso, which means to strike out and to expel with a blow. The verb is imperfect, indicating that this condition of being besides themselves continued for some time. Their astonishment is so great that their composure was exhausted. The discourse and the miracles of our Lord struck them so forcibly that they were astonished to the point of losing control of themselves. They could have had Jesus. But the scriptures tell us they chose unbelief. So what was in Jesus' teaching that generated so much heat, so much discord with people? Well, one of the great blessings we have of having four Gospels is that many of the incidents that are in the life of Jesus appear in more than one. And often the account of the other gospel or Gospels will shed a different light on the event. In fact, there's only one event that's in all four Gospels. I got it right on my exam. That's the feeding of the 5,000. It's ever on exam for you. Where one of the Gospels leaves out specifics, the other will often give more detail. And in this particular case, we're not disappointed. In the parallel passage from Luke's telling, we are told more about the controversy. Hear God's word from Luke. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recover of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now whoever reads, after they see, share something. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Why? Because he needed to say something. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
you might think, well, what's the controversy? The key is Jesus' words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The passage that Jesus had finished reading from the scroll was a well-known messianic passage from the book of Isaiah. The Jews were looking for the coming of the Messiah. God's deliverer was going to come and release them from their captivity. This was particularly poignant for the Jews who had been suffering under the yoke of the Romans for about 100 years. So they're seeking a Messiah, a military Messiah. What made Jesus seem unorthodox was his proclamation that the scripture was fulfilled. So why did the Nazarenes reject him? It seems to me that part of the rejection was based on seeing Jesus as just one of them. And that's a danger in our Christian lives, that we too can miss out on blessings of seeing other people as they were, not before they were a new creation. In their eyes, Jesus wasn't special. He's the carpenter, son of Mary. And there's a danger in our Christian lives that we too can miss out on God's blessings as this town did. We can miss out if we fail to recognize God's message or God's messenger. Allow the Holy Spirit inside you to speak to you. people of Nazareth missed out as the scriptures sadly record hear God's word Jesus could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them and he was amazed at their unbelief he could do no deed of power there. The word no is fully translated from the Greek word odomia, meaning not even one. Not even one. So why could Jesus do no deed of power in Nazareth? Many people have the wrong idea. Because the answer is not that complicated. Most Greek scholars are convinced, and so am I, that the people of Nazareth were so consistently unbelieving that they wouldn't even bring their sick to him. In this state of unbelief, they brought no one to Jesus, therefore, no miracles occurred. He could do no deed of power because no one came forth to receive the healing power from on high. Even the few sick people that were cured were not sick from diseases. The word translated sick used in this text is the Greek word arostos, 
which is about being constitutionally weak, not a sickness, not a blindness. The people of Nazareth accepted unbelief. They accepted what the world had to offer, and they could have had Jesus. His hometown rejected him. His people rejected him. So, beloved, where is the hometown of Jesus today? Where are his people today? Where would Jesus go to be with his people? I believe the church, the church that the scriptures proclaim as the bride of Christ, is Jesus' hometown. Those are his people. And if the church is Jesus' hometown, do you come this day believing? Do you come this day with an open heart? Do you come this day expecting Jesus to be here? Jesus is clear. When you accept him as Savior and Lord, when you seek to him for him to be your Savior, he makes a promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. Where there is you and Jesus, there is holy ground, and there's holy time wherever you are. The kingdom of God is at hand, and you're there with the Holy Spirit. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus is here, and this is holy ground. Wherever you are with Jesus is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. So Jesus was in the midst of his people from his hometown, yet they rejected him. Jesus is in our midst, in the midst of his people, in the midst of his bride this day. You need to yield to him and allow him to be not only your savior, which many people do, but you're called to have him your Savior and your Lord, Lord of your life. If you allow him to be Lord of your life, your life is filled with joy. Great spiritual things will happen. There's nothing that we cannot do of eternal importance if Jesus is in our midst. There's nowhere we cannot go if Jesus is in our midst. There's no limit to what God can do in his church if Jesus is in the midst. And the scriptures are clear. It's a glorious truth. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Remember that promise? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. We can do all things. What kind of strength are you talking about, Jeff? 
Well, thanks for asking. It's illustration time. I love illustration. If I said to the glove, glove, pick up the Bible, could it do it? Glove has the shape of a hand. It has four fingers and what looks like a thumb. Come on, glove. Pick up the Bible. So I say it again to the glove. I apologize, Mr. Glove. I haven't told you how to pick up the Bible. You put your thumb under the Bible and, and the four fingers on the top, and then you lift. Now, Mr. Glove, pick it up. Will anything happen? No, of course not. Why? The glove has no strength. It's powerless. The glove is empty. There's no life in it. The glove can't do anything. It can do no thing until I put my hand inside the glove. The moment I place my hand inside the glove, the glove becomes as strong as my hand. Everything that's possible for my hand becomes possible for the glove. And if the glove could speak, it might say, I can do all things through the hand that strengthens me. I can do all things through the hand that strengthens me. Beloved, in a way, in a way, you and I are like the glove and Christ is our strength. He strengthens us. And the scriptures promise, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if he's my strength, I'll only do what he wants. He's the strength. The glove can only do what the hand wants to do. There's nothing, nothing of eternal importance that we cannot do if we allow his strength to flow through us. There's no limit to what God can do in your life and in the life of this church if we allow him to empower us. What did he do after the unbelief of the Nazarenes? He sends out the twelve. And later on, we know he sent out 40. And what happened? Miracles. Great walk in the spiritual life. They abided in Jesus. They allowed his strength to flow through them. We need to stand in the strength of Jesus. Jesus was in the midst of his people 
of his hometown, but they rejected him. They chose unbelief when they could have had Jesus. And Jesus is in our midst. And wherever there's Jesus, there's holy ground. And this place is holy ground. You and I need to yield and allow him to be more than Savior, but Lord of our life. We need to be a people of anticipation, of expectation. Be praying over people. And when to show unexpected grace when we have opportunities. Allow him to empower you in every aspect of your life. And if you do, your joy will bubble up and overflow. I promise. Don't yield to the world. And you can have a supernatural, powerful, joyous life. Don't yield to the world. And you could have had Jesus. Amen? Amen.